All right, well, good morning once again. Glad you're here at Hope and Anchor Church, and glad you're here today because today we are finishing up our Imprint 2022 uh, teaching series on the classical Christian spiritual disciplines. There's a reason why you just got to enjoy five minutes of celebration by Cool and the Gang because the spiritual discipline we're talking about today is... Boom! Celebration! Celebration! Which some of you are like, in church? Why? You know... But what I want to talk about today is why all the things that we do, all the things we endeavor to um, cultivate in our life with Christ leads to joy and leads to celebration. And for some of us, that kind of smacks right up against our experience in the church where oftentimes there's been a whole lot of bad dog. Bad dog. Have you been in church and heard bad dog before? Or come away from your time in church and you're like, I'm just a, I'm a bad dog. <laughs> I and bad. And I think we have this tendency sometimes, and here I want to say today, no, the point of all this is celebration. We can celebrate. We can have joy. I was thinking this morning, this whole series, uh, the teaching of this series, goes all the way back to the 4th of July, 2021. For some reason, Jeff and Grace were at my parents' house, and Sam and Lacey, and we were having 4th of July, I think, and we were talking about how uh, we all desire to grow deeper in our spiritual disciplines, how we want to learn how to do this life in Christ. I think we learn about what it's about, and we understand the theology and doctrine stuff, but sometimes we feel like we're all thumbs when it comes to actually doing it, growing in it. We know we should grow. We know we want the fruits of the Spirit to grow, but how do we cultivate that? How do we put in place trellises that can support and expect that growth to come? And so that was like last July, and so here we were like a year later. We finally got to it. So here we are, and here we are finishing it up. So I'm excited about that. This week I was in O'Fallon, Missouri at a church up in O'Fallon. At our glo they had a global missions celebration, and part of this uh, event was that the missionaries had to uh, make a dish to serve to the church family that they could come around and learn about this food from the place where you serve. So I'm there with missionaries from uh, Spain and, and Belgium and uh, India, Africa. And so they're making all these cool exotic Mexico, exotic foods. I'm a missionary in Missouri with the North American Mission Board. And so my counterpart with North American Mission Board or SEND Network Missouri, uh, he made chicken, he, he put in a recipe for chicken poppy seed casserole. And I was in charge of making it which we're vegetarians, so it's been a while since I did anything with chicken. Anyway, so I'm making this chicken, and, and I've got a picture of it. I, I had to debone three rotisserie chickens by hand. By hand. Then I had to mix by hand sour cream and cream of chicken soup. And then I had to mix Ritz, crumbled up Ritz crackers with butter and sprinkle it all together and then bake this thing. Thankfully, I had this lady helping me. Bless her. She helped me a lot. And then I had all these people coming around to the Missouri missionary eating chicken poppy seed casserole. And they loved it. But it was just kind of funny. But I took all these ingredients, and there was a certain joy that came by seeing all those weird individual ingredients come together into, into a prepared whole, a, a product, a finished product, a chicken poppy seed casserole that brought joy to all who, who tasted it. 
I didn't taste it, but everyone else had tasted it. It was great. And that's what I think is happening today. We're looking back over 16 weeks of individual ingredients, prayer, scripture study, meditation, silence, solitude, submission, confession, guidance, all those things we've talked about. Those are the ingredients that today we're kind of bringing together, baking and finding the finished ingredient, the finished product, which is celebration. Celebration. And I, and I know that's surprising, but it is. The point of all this is celebration. Throughout our imprint teaching series about the classical Christian spiritual disciplines, there has been a central theme that's been repeated several times along the way. And you've heard this. Our lives now should resemble and prepare us for life with God in eternity. Have you heard that before? Our lives now should resemble and prepare us for life with God in eternity. The path to Christian maturity, our pilgrimage toward Christ-likeness, it necessarily travels uh, within and through the practice of the spiritual disciplines. No one in the history of humankind has become spiritually mature, has developed this, this uh, Christ-likeness in their lives without intentional effort. There are no accidental disciples. There's no incidental maturity. It's intentional, and it's something you undertake daily of a ta as a task of, of ultimate importance. The spiritual disciplines are intentional habits which help outfit us for life in the kingdom. They help us to feel more and more at home there in that kingdom. I love that idea that these are the skills, these are the traits, the habits that will help us feel more and more at home in Christ's kingdom. We will be better outfitted for life in that place because we've practiced these spiritual disciplines. Perhaps you'll recall Donald Whitney saying, the spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate habits and practices that promote spiritual growth. They are the habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since biblical times. Get this, God has given us the spiritual disciplines as a means of placing ourselves before Him. That's really the ultimate purpose of the spiritual disciplines. It, they become ways that help us place our whole being before God. Placing ourselves before God, allowing Him to work in us to imprint His will and His character upon us. In other words, the spiritual disciplines help form us in the likeness of Christ. Or in other words, Christ-likeness. Want to pursue Christ-likeness? Well, prepare yourself to practice the spiritual disciplines because this is how we will get there. This is how God imprints His character upon us. So, let's retrace our steps. Let's retrace our 16-week path that has got us to this point. First, we talked about the inward disciplines. The inward disciplines, those that we practice in interiorly and others might not see them happening. Scripture, meditation, and study. We talked about that as giving Scripture our full attention and embracing its teaching. The second inward discipline was prayer. Keeping company with God, as Philip Yancey says. It's keeping company with God to listen, to share, to intercede, and to surrender. That's prayer. Third, fasting. Fasting, abstaining from food or activity in order to feast on God's Word and God's presence. Those are the inward disciplines. Then we turned our attention to the outward disciplines, the first of which was simplicity. Simplicity, living free and unencumbered so that our possessions and our affections can be genuinely enjoyed and received as gifts from God and shared with others without destroying us. Simplicity. Secondly, solitude and silence. Entering times of stillness 
to be renewed and restored by God so we can be fully present in relationship with others in meaningful and redemptive ways. Submission. Submission. Laying down the burden of always needing to be right and always having our own way. The spiritual practice of Submitting, letting others win, letting others have their way at times. Service, service, getting beyond ourselves and imitating Jesus, serving others in humility and grace. Those are the outward disciplines. And then for the past several weeks, we've been talking about the shared disciplines or the corporate disciplines, those that we must do together. It's not just individual practice, it's all of us joining together to do these things. The first was confession. Confession, sharing God's heart and His desire to give, forgive, reconcile, and redeem. We're joining with God through confession to see these things become reality. Secondly, worship. We uh, to know, to love, to embrace the resurrected Christ in faithful community. Last week we talked about guidance. Guidance, seeking God's will together as He instructs, liberates, and restores us. All these spiritual disciplines are mileposts, if you will. Mileposts on this journey, this journey that is leading ultimately toward celebration. Leading towards celebration. Celebration is, is drawing deeply from the joy, the strength, and the creativity which obedience to Jesus Christ brings. I'll read that again. Celebration is drawing deeply from the joy, strength, and creativity which obedience to Jesus Christ brings. All of the classical Christian spiritual disciplines have led us here to celebrate the life with God. Would you believe that celebration is actually at the very heart of the Christian life? Celebration is the blossom. It is the sweetness of the spiritual fruit that is produced. And all true spiritual fruit is cause for celebration. The love, the peace, the joy, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control produced and enjoyed along the way, nurtured by the Holy Spirit, is gathered together, offered up to God as a daily offering of praise. Did you know that? Those times when you've noticed a little bit more love for somebody in your life that was hard to love maybe. Maybe you had patience. Maybe you had some uh, gentleness that was welling up in you and you knew it was the Holy Spirit's work. That was cause for celebration. And I pray that you were quick to do so and offer that back to God and say, thanks. Thank you so much. I praise you for the work that you've begun in me that you will faithfully bring to completion. Thank you. In that sacrifice of praise that we offer daily, we are offering ourselves continually in celebration to God, celebration of His goodness and of the grace that He has expressed to us in Jesus Christ. Our life is a living thank you. Thank you. And why do we celebrate? Why do we celebrate what Jesus has done for us? Because in that we have been set free. We're no longer slaves to sin and death and brokenness and self. We've been set free. The gospel's central message is that Christ has come, Christ has died, and Christ has risen. He has overcome the world, and now, my friends, we're free. That is good news. That is good news. That is reason enough to celebrate every day we are given on this earth. Our great freedom in Christ, which is embraced and nurtured in the classical spiritual discipline, it forms the basis of Christian celebration. Now, I don't know. I mean, Christians typically aren't regarded as a celebrating people. <laughs> I mean, oftentimes we're pretty straight-laced and pretty, like, dour. 
But man, what if God's people in the world, Jesus' followers, were just like the most eager to celebrate? It's like, man, those guys will celebrate for any dumb reason. <laughs> I mean, they need very little provocation to just celebrate stuff. You know, man, I want to be that kind of person. And I want it to be all rooted in just a, uh, just a, a vibrant, effervescent sense of what God has done for me in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'll celebrate that. Yeah, I'll celebrate that too. I don't care. <laughs> Jesus is alive. I'm set free. What do you want to celebrate today? Man, what if that became a hallmark of God's people? So I said we've been set free. What is it that Jesus has come and through his life, death, death, and resurrection, what has he freed us from? Well, that's a pretty long list. It's like Santa rolling out his naughty and nice list, right? Here's a short list. Uh, for me, it's freedom from anxiety, freedom from excess, from greed, from self-absorption, jealousy, pride, idolatry, fear, inadequacy, anger, etc. <laughs> Anyone else want to make a list? Be that bold? You might be hearing my list and thinking, wow, that guy's a mess. But I think your list might be long too. What is it that Jesus has freed you from? What is it he's delivered you from in your life? Too many times the rigor of the spiritual life and an awareness of our human depravity, it turns believers in Jesus into, uh, into rigid, unhappy people. And that is so sadly ironic We think that the spiritual life is this rigid, rigorous thing and that, that um, an awareness of our human depravity should turn us into just people that just flagellate ourselves and just beat ourselves down all the time. And we become this rigid and unhappy people who are discouraged easily and who are devoid of any real joy or any sense of true freedom. We become uh, a, a walking denial of what the Bible says we have in Christ. And that's sadly ironic. <laughs> But true, true celebration, it brings joy into our lives, and the joy of the Lord truly becomes our strength for living. It's through this joy, this celebration, that we step into that abundant life that Jesus Christ promised to us. It's through joy and celebration, apprehending properly what Jesus has done for us, the work the Holy Spirit is doing in us, leads to celebration. And that's how we discover more and more of that abundant life. Although many have tried it, we cannot endure long in anything, especially the life of faith, without a deep and abiding sense of joy. Do you believe me? I mean, I know you like the sound of that, but do you believe it? Because it's hard to believe that sometimes. But it's the truth, and we see this all through Scripture and all through the Christian life, an ongoing, reverberating invitation into joy. I want to talk real briefly about Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah is an interesting book. Uh, Israel's been come back from exile in Babylon. They've come back to Jerusalem. The walls are torn down. The place is in ruins. Uh, so they set about, under the leadership of Nehemiah, rebuilding the wall. And along the way, they find the book of God's law. And so the walls rebuilt. Nehemiah, with all the Levites, calls the people together to read the book of the law. And I think the people's reaction is not what they expected. See, they expected celebration. We can gather in Jerusalem and hear the word of the Lord, and they read the word of the Lord, and guess what the people do? They weep. They, 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 they're grieving. They feel like our sin led us into exile. Our disobedience led to Jerusalem, God's very city being destroyed. Woe is us. We are yuck. That's biblical language, but we are yuck in the face of God. 
And this just proves it. They're reading the book of the law, the law of God, and it's just outlining all the ways we have failed. So they weep and they grieve. Look at Nehemiah 8, 8 through 12. Well, let's start at 7. Well, the Levites, and then skip all that list of names, because I, I don't know how to pronounce them all. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and cl clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God, for, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, they quieted the people, tell them, telling them, Hush, hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. You see what's going on here. They hear it, and so many times this is us. We hear what God says to us, the way that we ought to live and the, the way laid before us that we ought to walk within or we should follow this path. We don't hear it as invitation. We hear it as a beatdown. We hear it as proof that we are just pretty broken. We are pretty inadequate. Even the, the word for the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, is called the canon. Do you know what the actual word for canon means? It's not like fire. It's canon. It's spelled differently. It means measuring rod. That it's a measurement. It's a rod. And we feel like this rod is laid alongside our life, and we are found lacking. We get it, Israel. We know what it's like to weep and to, to be downcast and to grieve when we hear God's word read over us. We so, because we have this bad dog mentality, we so often retreat to this place where we can't hear it as anything other than condemnation. But here Nehemiah and the priests and Ezra too are saying, hey, no, this is a sacred day. Celebrate. Have a feast. God's word has been given to us. What an act of kindness. This is an act of grace and mercy. He's told us how we ought to live. He's inviting us to walk in this way. Let us celebrate. The reason the Word of God came to us was not to point out how far we've fallen. Instead, it was given in order to redeem us and to set us free, to remind us of who we are and what's possible in and through faith in Jesus Christ. May that paradigm shift take place in your head and in your heart today. It's given as invitation. It is a gift. If we miss this, we miss the whole point and power of the Incarnation. If we miss this, we miss the entire point and power of God with us. God gives us His Word so that we would live in obedience and that that obedience would lead to what? Joy. Joy. In Christ, we are invited to imagine, to embrace, and to remember something new and better and more alive than ever before. In Christ, we daily receive welcome. Welcome to real joy.
Every day because of Jesus, we have reason to celebrate. And I pray that we would help each other remember that. Celebrate today. Celebrate. Have joy. Celebration is central to all the spiritual disciplines. Celebration is at the heart of life, the life in Christ. Without a joyful spirit of celebration, the spiritual disciplines themselves become death-breathing tools in the hands of religious actors. That's a gross sentence. <laughs> Listen. Without a joyful spirit of celebration, the spiritual disciplines become death-breathing tools in the hands of religious actors who are desperate to fake it till they make it. Been there? Totally. I've been there. I've been trying to fake it till I make it. Play pretend. And it just leads to death. Without joyous celebration to animate and enliven all these other spiritual disciplines we've talked about, we will sooner or later abandon them. Think back over your life, the times you've tried to study Scripture, to meditate on Scripture, to pray, to fast, to be more simple or have solitude. You've given up, and oftentimes it's because you didn't do it long enough to develop a habit, but other times it's you were doing it with the wrong perspective, with the wrong motivation. It wasn't that you would have joy, it was that you would impress God, or that you would earn His favor. And those are the wrong motives. And sooner or later, we abandon them. It's exhausting and it's joyless to be a hypocrite. Do you know what a hypocrite means? Like, technically, what does hypocrite mean? It means actor. It means to act, to put on a face, isn't it? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, I didn't have that in my notes, so I was like, the little doubt light was flashing. It's to, to be a play, to be an actor on a stage, to wear a mask is what it means. So if we're projecting this like, oh, I've got all these spiritual disciplines going, I've got all this maturity I'm pursuing and stuff, but at the heart there's no joy, it's fake, it's empty, it's hypocrisy. And that is a joyless, exhausting experience. It always has been and it always will. It is the nature of being ungenuine to being an actor to being a hypocrite so how do we experience true joy and how do we express real celebration in our life with Christ here's the key in the life with God only one thing produces genuine joy in the life with God only one thing produces genuine joy and that thing is obedience it's obedience Jesus Christ himself tells us that there is no blessedness like the blessedness of obedience. I've been so chuffed, so jazzed to share this passage with you because it has the weirdest compliment anyone has ever been given. Jesus receives it from a woman in the crowd, and I'm just waiting on the day when I receive this compliment because it's so absolutely strange. I love it. Uh, let's, turn to, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 11. <laughs> Jesus heals a guy, casts a demon out of him, uh, and then there's this crowd, and in the crowd there's ostensibly these Pharisees that are starting to call him like, hey, he does this by the power of Satan and this and that, whatever. Look at this. Uh, uh, Luke 11, 27 and 28. So he's healed this guy, and all these guys are laying out this stuff. Um, and Jesus says, you know, when an evil spirit leaves and goes into the desert searching for rest, when it finds none, it comes back, blah, blah, blah. As he was speaking, verse 27, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. What? <laughs> I don't know if Jesus like, ever had this sense of like holy awkwardness. He's like, well, th thank you. Thank you for that compliment. Uh, it's weird. I mean, maybe it was more common in Bible times in Jesus' day, but if that came out of one of your mouths, 
When I made a good point in a sermon or something, you're like, God bless the womb that birthed you and the breast that nursed you. I would be so taken aback, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Anyway, so this woman says this. Um, <laughs> God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. Am I the only one who thinks the Bible's funny sometimes? Because that's pretty funny. I mean, I want to meet this lady. Everyone gets to heaven, they're like, I want to meet Peter. Of course, we want to meet Jesus. But I want to meet Peter. I want to meet her. It's like, oh, you're the compliment lady. <laughs> awesome. As he was, oh, let's see. Jesus replied, though, but even more blessed. Even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and do what? Put it into practice. If you hear God's word and put it into practice, you are more blessed than the womb that birthed Jesus. I'm not going to go there. But anyway, even more blessed if you hear the word and obey it. I mean, this woman is complimenting Jesus and Mary, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. And he's like, no, even, you know who's even more blessed than that? You are when you hear God's word and you put it into action. Jesus is saying a lot there, isn't he? I mean, maybe you've never thought about this passage. Maybe you've thought like I did. It was pretty funny. But it's actually, he's saying a whole lot. We are even more blessed than that when we hear his word and put it into practice, when we obey it. The truest blessing we can experience comes from the Word of God taking root in us and then being nurtured as it grows into obedience and then bears the fruit of celebration. That is when the life in Christ is coming to fruition in you. That's when maturity is becoming a reality. When you hear the Word of God, it takes root and we're nurtured by that as we grow in obedience and then we start bearing the fruit of celebration. Celebration comes when the regular, everyday parts of our lives are redeemed and brought into obedience to Jesus Christ and then transformed by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. So, let's finish up with this. What are some of the benefits of celebration? What are some of the benefits of celebration? Well, the most important benefit is this. It saves us. Celebration saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. It, take, it saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. There is a desperately, desperately needed grace for those who are... This is a desperately needed grace for those who are pursuing the spiritual disciplines. A real hazard of devout believers is to become super serious people. To become stuffy, boring people who are fastidious rule keepers who always have their nose to the grindstone. You may have the best joke you've ever heard and you just are desperate to tell people and the Christian is often the last person you want to tell it to because they're not even going to laugh. Because they're so serious. They won't even give you a nose laugh. You know what a nose laugh, nose laugh is? It's like... I mean, that's like the lowest level of humorous response you can give is a nose laugh. I mean, but Christians are like stuffy, rigid, and boring people sometimes. But as Christ's followers, we should be the most free, the most alive, the most interesting, and the most joyful. And celebration adds these distinctive notes of happiness and festivity and hilarity into our life. So assess your life, examine your life. Is there hilarity in my life? Am I quick to, to respond with joyfulness and gladness with my friends when they celebrate, when they're around? Am I just the happiest person to see them? 
because of what God's doing in my life. Okay, so it saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. Secondly, celebration is an effective antidote to the human heart's deep sadness. Depression is widespread. Depression does not respect the front steps or the doors of the church. Depression is among us, right? Practicing celebration can become a daily habit that helps turn our attention from ourselves, even if it's just for a little bit, helps turn our attention from ourselves and our needs, and helps us pivot and turn toward God and His goodness and take that in a day at a time. Celebration, it helps create a space in which God can come and speak to us, heal us, and day by day restore us. This regular practice of celebration, it can unweight our souls just long enough for our souls to inhale, our souls to catch their breath in God's presence, just long enough for God's life-giving inspiration to come into us once again. And guys, that's what I need some days, isn't it? Just to sit with God long enough for Him to lift the load, to lift the burden so that my lungs can fill again. And it just doesn't seem so hopeless sometimes. And I hope that's the case for you. The daily practice of celebration can train our spirits in that, can train our hearts in that, that we can sit with the Lord anticipating that and start to recognize it more when it happens. So celebration, it saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. It is an effective antidote to the human heart's deep sadness. Third, in celebration, we discover a fuller and more divine perspective in life. A fuller and more divine perspective in life. In celebration, the high and mighty are humbled and the weak and lowly are lifted up. We are set free from an inflated self-importance. We're invited to become free from our judgmental attitudes. As a result, our joy can be shared. It can be shared with anyone. It can be shared with the rich and poor. It can be shared with the powerful and the powerless. Suddenly we find ourselves more and more free from that insecurity. That self-absorption that hijacks our life and steals from us any of that joy that we hope for. Lastly, what does celebration do? Finally, true celebration leads us into more expressions of celebration. <laughs> Choosing to pursue celebration leads to more and more celebration. Deep calls to deep. Joy gives birth to joy. Laughter ignites more laughter and celebration births fuller expressions of celebration. How great is that? You want more celebration? We'll celebrate. Celebrate gives birth to more celebration. Celebration is one of the few things in life that multiplies when given away. Celebration, it scatters and it expands as we share it with others. As Soren Kierkegaard once quipped, humor is always a concealed pair. Humor is always a concealed pair, which I take to mean celebration loves company. Celebration loves company. Celebration stirs something inside of you that says, Oh, goodness, come with me. You've got to see this. I've got to tell you this. You've got to join me in this. Come and celebrate with me. Celebration loves company. Let's look at one more passage. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, where I believe Paul is talking about what it means to be a living celebration, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and enjoying a musical soul. To join in together, to, to join in this hymn making, this psalm singing. Uh, look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. So be careful how you live, Paul says. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, what does that lead to? Verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything that God, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's plural there. It's like you as people join together, make hymns, sing songs, make gladness in your hearts. Yeah, he's like, it's going to drive you into community, into the fellowship, and together, join together in celebration, in this joyful expression of gladness. So we have reached the end of Imprint 2022, our study of the Christian spiritual disciplines. But here's the thing, it is only the beginning. It is only the beginning of our journey in practicing and living out these spiritual disciplines. Basically, we all go from here practicing to one degree or another, in one form or another, these spiritual disciplines. Our lives now should resemble and prepare us for life with God in eternity. Keep that central in your mind. How we spend our days now is in preparation. So that would be more and more at home in Christ's kingdom. May the inward, outward, and shared spiritual disciplines, may they work together to till the soil of your heart and of your character today and continue for the rest of your life. May the seeds planted by the Holy Spirit, may they take root and may they bear fruit for God's glory, for the sake of the gospel, and for the joy of God's people. May God transform you as you grow in Christian maturity and you live a life of ongoing, daily, and glad celebration. May you find the spiritual disciplines to be the unexpected path to freedom daily in your new, abundant, and joyful life in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, leading us on this path. Thank you for uh, giving us the patience to uh, walk slowly and carefully. To think about all these different aspects, all these opportunities, these on-ramps we have into the life with Christ. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be driven by emotion or by feelings alone, but that there would be discipline, that there would be um, fervent desire to obey. That we would be a people who are uh, developing these spiritual habits that help place us daily before you. Make ourselves more and more available to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So God, whatever they may be, inward practices, outward practices, or shared practices, I pray that you would start to drive those deeply into our, into our hearts, into our minds, so that we can return to them and start even now to see the preparation being made, the soil being turned and tilled, the trellis is put in place, the seeds planted, so that in its proper time, we will reap a harvest of righteousness. God, give us hearts that are set on obedience. And may that obedience, even now, ring with anthems of joy. God, may a certain gladness punctuate our interactions and our thoughts. May we become a people who are being set free from the discouragement that comes from an awareness of our sinfulness. May we be set free from the play pretend of religious uh, hypocrisy. May we become a people who are just driven by joy. We're so happy about what Jesus has done for us and that hilarity and happiness just punctuates all of our interactions. God, where there's brokenness, I pray that you'd bring uh, wholeness. Where there's um, 
where there's despair, I pray that you'd bring hope. God, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, saying those words that we need to hear most. Because not everyone here is starting from the same place. Some of us feel buried pretty deep. We feel pretty beat down. But this is the, the comfort we find, is that wherever we are, there you can meet us. That grace-like water flows to the lowest point. You do some of your best work in those worst moments. So God, I pray that you'd come and you'd speak. You'd be the lifter of our heads. You'd be the, binding, the binder of our hearts today. Because God, I want to be uh, experiencing even more, even now, the joy of the Lord. I want to know about this abundant life that Christ offers me. Lord, I pray for my friends who've been following Jesus. I pray that they would uh, see clearly today through the work of the Holy Spirit, see where their life has been, the lies they've maybe been believing. I pray that they would uh, sit with you and maybe for the first time in a long time, feel your Holy Spirit lift the burden, lift the weight, lift the load so that their lungs can fill again, be inspired again by your Spirit. That we could believe again that it's possible, that I could follow Jesus. I could be welcomed into your family. That there could be reason for celebration. Oh God, help us know that today. I pray for my friends who've never followed Jesus. I pray that this would be heard as invitation. This is what awaits those who come to faith, come to Jesus through faith. You're welcomed into a lifelong path that leads to joy. God, you came to set us free through your life, your death, your resurrection. You over overcome the whole, you overcame the, the hold that sin had over humanity. And now we are able through faith <laughs> to come back home. Paul tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So God, I pray that we would place our faith in the risen Lord Jesus. And even now take our first step into that salvation life. Lord, Lord, fill our hearts, fill our mouths with celebration today, we ask. In Jesus' name. Here we're going to take like a minute or two just to, to pray. We're not going to sing yet. We can wait a minute. But maybe this is the first time this week you've had a chance to just sit with the Lord and say, Speak, Lord. Lift my load today. Fill my lungs again today. I'm desperate for that. So here we have a minute or two to just sit with the Lord, to experience the Holy Spirit at work in you and with you. So make the most of this opportunity.